Hello and welcome to Move the Line, presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. I'm Ryan Noonan, joined here, as always, by my friends to talk NFL Week 9, sides and totals. Joined here, as always, by Connor Allen and Sharp Clark. Connor, go to you first. What's going on, buddy? Not much. Coming off of a great week. One of the best weeks I've had, honestly, in a while, which is pretty fun. Uh, went 11-4 and four in the prop streets. Had some very lucky beats, um, but a lot of right beats. You know, we, were, we, we won a lot of props by like 30, 40 yards, which always feels good. So, um, yeah, it's good. Crushing those streets. Um, sides and total streets going well for, for me as well, you know, here and there. with I basically bet everything we talk about in the show and, you know, going well. So, you know, it's, it's been a lot of fun so far. Always feels good when you're up on top, right? It feels like you're untouchable, no matter what you're doing. Oh, I saw you like, like roll miss, into a you know a, a snow parlay last night, and then uh, the Mac and like. Did you see that? I, I saw, won twenty seven hundred dollars on a hundred and fifty dollar Mac six leg all under parlay because someone tweeted out that there was like an unbelievable amount of snow, and like so I was like walking out of the gym, like I'm not even paying attention. I don't know a single player on either team, and so I'm just like. All right, well, you know, why not? Like, I'll just bet every single pat, both quarterback unders and every single receiver under listed. So I bet every single receiver under listed. And it stopped snowing literally the moment the game started and was the field was totally cleared and it still hit anyways. I mean, oh I'm just, gosh. I'm running unbelievably pure right now. Yeah, that's something right there. Uh, that's good. Good on you. I, I saw this morning. I wanted to get, you know, I'm to be annoyed at you and like, give me a heads up, man. But uh, I'll let you off based on the story there. Uh, it's, it's like literally was. five minutes before the game started. I, I didn't even get prize pick shit in. Like they, I literally was like Caesars just bumped it all. And then I just went off and went for like 17 to one parlay or whatever. Love to see it. Good job. Nice hit there. Uh, Clark, what's going on, buddy? Week nine grind continues. How are we doing? Yeah, I'm, I'm on a cooler, whatever the opposite of a heater <laughs> is right now. So trying to, to trust the process and remind myself like, you know, I've got several years of doing this and I'm, uh, you know, a little bit gun shy just because there's, there's certain teams you start to question whether or not like do, you know, am I missing something about this team? And so uh, probably a lighter week for me, but, but one that I'm hoping to kind of just, you know, if I could just squeeze out a small profit, get back on track, that'd be, that's the goal. Yeah. I mean, look, transparency uh, this time last year, I was down. I was in, I was negative at this point last year. I think Connor, you were too, or close. Yep. Like, yep. It's not where we're at right now, but it happens. We bounce back. We had a positive year. Um, you know, you had, I think, a couple of these highs and lows last year. You finished up comfortably on the year. It's just how it goes. Uh, it stinks when you're in it. Uh, you know, that's why we talk about managing your units and your bankroll very carefully so that you aren't overextending yourself when things are going well because there is an inevitable bounce back. You can have a good read on a game and lose the bet. It happens all the time. You know, I, I don't feel very often where – you know, I'm sitting on Sunday night kind of reviewing what went right and what went wrong. Where I'm like, well, I, I don't, I think I misread this. Um, it happens, at least in what I'm doing prop wise, you know, sides and totals, maybe you can feel a little bit different, but like sometimes on the prop side, I'm just like, well, yeah, that's like, that's going to happen. Variance happens, you know, made a bet on a Monday night game. I love that bet. I make that bet. If that game's being played again tomorrow, well, all of us, I need a cornerback to get tackles and the Raiders completed four passes to their wide receivers. That bet's going to lose every single time. Um, but if you tell me ahead of time that the Raiders are only going to complete four passes to their wide receivers, I'm making some very different bets, right? So we don't have the, uh, you know, the advantage of, uh, of foresight here. It just, it happens, you know, ride it out again. I love your process. I, I think it's unique in the space and uh, I'm excited to be a part of riding the wave back up and now uh, we'll get it started here 
in week nine. Just a, a very, very interesting, very interesting week here. Um, again, reminder to folks, three of us are going to be here every Wednesday, 4 p.m. Eastern on our 4 for 4 Bets YouTube channel. Should be able to find the podcast every Wednesday evening. Subscribe to both so you don't miss a show. This is free content from us. Supporting it goes a long way in helping us continue to bring the very best content and tools in the industry. Uh, take a second, click subscribe, click a like, thumbs up, all those things, comments. Uh, goes a long way in helping us. If you're hanging out with us on YouTube, comment. Let us know what your favorite look here on the board is, sides and total-wise, for week nine. Um, we'll be back on Friday, as always, as well, on the 4 for 4 Bets YouTube channel at 3 p.m. Eastern. Connor, myself, and John Hyslop from Odds Jam to talk props. Um, having a lot of fun, a lot of success on that show. Again, that's why you subscribe. You don't miss an episode. Um, great time to scoop up the betting subscription. If you somehow missed our Halloween sale, uh, that's a bummer, uh, insane deal that like, I think is just way too cheap to be honest. But, um, you know, we get, I think consulted in that conversation, but not really, we don't have a say, uh, it's basically like, Hey, we're going to do this. And, uh, you know, people, hopefully you're here maybe for the first time. Cause you found the deal on Twitter and you're like, Hey, these guys have a, a show as well. We'll check it out. Appreciate you hanging out with us for the first time. Um, but if you haven't great time to still scoop up the betting sub, the betting sub gets access to everything. So even if you're still playing DFS, you're playing your season-long league, you want all the articles, tools, rankings, projections, all that stuff, the betting sub gets all of it. And then you get access to the Discord, which is where all of our official plays, the three of us all push those out through a Discord. It's a great community. We're betting NBA uh, extensively now too. Kevin O'Brien off to a great start. I think three or four and oh last night. Um, they're firing bets in there today. Very, very active Discord. If you play in any of the uh, pick-em sites, prize picks, underdog, vivid picks, uh, we have plays, channels, discussions there as well. We have you know plenty of people in the discord that aren't in legal states that are, you know, using some of the stuff to, you know, pick off some of the pick them games as well. So use our promo code YouTube. It's going to get you 25% off. It's already discounted promo code gets you another 25% on top of that. So a great deal. 444.com slash plans. All right. Interesting slate of games guys. There are, uh, I saw somewhere today, depending on like some of the stuff we maybe we have what goes on in Arizona or something like that, or like up to like nine backup quarterbacks uh, as we record here on a Wednesday afternoon. Uh, there's a lot of uncertainty in those matchups. And that, if you don't know who the quarterback is, uh, some of those are still pending. It makes it pretty hard to handicap that game. So we're going to skip a lot of those. We happen to have four fantastic games. A friend of the show, uh, Sam Hoppin, he does like a like an aggregate power rankings where he pulls from a lot of the reputable sites out there and, and makes his own power rankings. Uh, we have three, we look at like the top 11, again, arbitrary, but uh, three teams in that top 11 on a bye this week, uh, San Francisco, Detroit, Jacksonville. The other eight teams are basically, they're all head to head. Uh, so we're going to talk about those four games because they're all great. If we have any thoughts on the end, we'll shoot it to the guys, let them uh, fire off any other thoughts they have in terms of sides and totals for the rest of the board. But we'll get started with our Germany game. First of two in Germany, we have uh, a less exciting Colts Patriots matchup uh, ahead of us next week in Germany, but Miami and Kansas city are in Frankfurt. This is Kansas city minus one and a half. I believe across the board here. I shut my out screen and you guys can tell me if it's different. I think that's correct. 50 and a half is the total as well. Obviously a massively intriguing matchup. Uh, Chiefs looking to bounce back disappointing loss in Denver in the division. Things get wonky. And then obviously Mahomes uh, popped up on the injury report over the weekend with a case of the flu. Obviously, obviously he was not hundred percent there. This one's going to be great. You get the whole Tyreek revenge narrative here, Clark, as well. I'll let you get started with Dolphins Chiefs. This is a game I've been excited about all year. Um, 
I, you know, honestly, the Chiefs defense has obviously outperformed expectations this season, but they haven't yet faced an offense like the Dolphins with the amount of speed they have on the outside. And so I think the big question for this game is how the Chiefs can stop the Dolphins or if they can stop the Dolphins. Steve Spagnolo's approach has always been pretty effective against kind of elite quarterback led teams. You know, like he's really good at getting pressure on pocket passers and really disrupting them out of what they want to do their a game but the dolphins offense is so dynamic and so diverse that i don't think that that is really going to work i i think the dolphins are going to have some success i think they're going to be able to you know capitalize on wherever there's space in the secondary the chiefs have some pretty good cornerbacks but the dolphins have ways of mitigating that by you know creating open spaces in the zone and tua is so fast that the interior pressure that chris jones typically brings i just don't think it's going to get home so I think this is a spot where the Dolphins can keep up. I think that I don't think we need to worry about the Chiefs' offense. They had a they had a tough game against Denver, but every every good team has tough games like that. And I didn't really see anything on the film that was you know overly concerning. The Dolph the 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 Broncos had a good defensive game plan, and obviously Patrick Mahomes may not have been a hundred percent. But I think I think he'll be back for this one. This this is a, a game where I think both teams are going to have a hard time pulling away from the other team because. Uh, both offenses when kind of pushed, you know, with their backs against the wall play really well. Like the one thing that's really impressive about the dolphins is their third down conversion rates, even in difficult third down spots, like Tua has been delivering the ball in tight windows in those situations past the line of scrimmage, which is, is really the key to, uh, you know, a, a, an offense that's playing from behind. So even though they got blown out by uh, Buffalo and Philadelphia, I think, this is a spot where this should go down to the wire. And I think there's extra value on the teaser leg with the Dolphins, uh, getting it up above seven or eight. I mean, I think the line came down from two and a half to one and a half today. Yeah. I still like it at plus seven and a half, um, just because this is a game that I don't see either team pulling away. But I don't want to bet on the Dolphins on the money line just because that requires Patrick Mahomes to fail to deliver in the clutch in a close game. And that's not a situation I ever want to find myself in with my bet. So for me, it's, it's lean dolphins, uh, but I'd rather play the teaser than the side in this one. Connor Clark touched on it real quick there. This is basically Miami's third chance to step up in class. Uh, we've, and look, this is kind of a increasingly prevalent narrative that they basically beat up on bottom feeders. They can't, or at least haven't yet been able to hang with the upper echelon teams. Now, I think it's an inarguable fact as of now. I sort of think it's nonsense in terms of how it pertains to who the Dolphins truly are as a team or where they're going to be at the end of the year. It gets harder and harder to defend that uh, if they can't be competitive here. You know, again, they're getting healthy. And I think there's some really encouraging things going on in Miami too. Like Jalen Phillips looks to be back to who we thought he was going to be earlier in the season, full strength, looking really good. Tough challenge here against Patrick Mahomes who just you know doesn't get pressured a lot. Uh, Jalen Ramsey came back last week. Made an immediate impact. Uh, Javon Holland's going to be back here. He cleared concussion protocol after missing last week. And even uh, Teron Armstead is traveling to Germany here too. So like uh, kind of good news going on there in Miami. This one's going to be fun. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think you hit on most of the key points here. One interesting thing, I think it's a lot of this is going to depend on pressure. And Clark said it, you know, and I think mentioned it there that maybe the interior pressure won't get home. But I think that it's one of the keys in this game because under pressure, Tua Tagovailoa's completion rate, 37.4% um, below his regular completion rate when kept clean. It's basically only ahead of Jimmy Garoppolo in terms of splits of like kept clean versus pressure. We saw that in the Philadelphia game, him crumble a little bit. We saw that in the Buffalo game at certain times. I think that's kind of a big deal here. He's also um, <clears throat> averaging 3.7 fewer yards per attempt when pressured uh, compared to a clean pocket. And so I think that that's kind of interesting 
when we consider this game as a whole, because the Chiefs defense is like, I think certainly outplayed their billing. And this is, on the other hand, the toughest test that they faced by far. You know, they've played well against Detroit. They played well against Jacksonville, played well against the Chargers. But I think that this Miami offense is on another level than than those teams right now. And so when we factor all of that in, like, it's almost like a strength on strength, but neither of them are proven. And that's not something that I'd particularly like to bet into. I feel like I need to have like a strong angle or some kind of case of like, okay, well, they've played well against, you know, this type of defense here. And uh, we can project that very easily. So I think that they'll probably still have success, but I don't feel super confident in it. Um, and then on the other side here, the Dolphins defense, again, getting way healthier. The, you know, they played against three good offenses so far. They've allowed 34, 48, and 31 points in those games. Um, <clears throat> Kansas City's offense hasn't played particularly well or up to their standards as of late, but I don't. I think that's more of a blip than something we'll see consistently. I mean, basically every year we see like one or two games where Mahomes and Chiefs offense just like doesn't really look that good, and then it's literally a non-issue uh, right after that. So, yeah, I think for me it's kind of a stay away. Like I'm just kind of excited to watch the game because I don't have a strong lean. I think we took some look at action on Kansas City, uh, but I don't feel awesome about it. So, yeah, I, I, and I really I really don't know, honestly, in terms of the take. This is probably the game that I have, like, the least skin in the game on uh, among the ones we're talking about here. Yeah, I mean, it is hard. There was some, you know, interesting look at action there. But, um, yeah, it's – I want to buy into Miami. I do think Miami is um, – a team that is better than just a team that's going to beat up on, you know, a good, bad team, not even a good, bad team, but just a team that's going to pick off of really bad teams. I do think that they're better than that. Part of that's been, the defense has been oftentimes in these matchups when we talk about the Bills game and who the Bills were at the time, the Philadelphia game, the Miami defense was the clearly the worst unit on the field. Um, that might be the case again, but I do feel like that unit in general is getting significantly better, Clark. So I feel like we're kind of trending in the right direction. Um, I worry a little bit about your teaser take, though, just because of, again, like we talked about before, I think you like it when it gets a little bit higher uh, in terms of like the, you know, over under. I makes me a little bit nervous in terms of like the, you know, just the variability of the game in terms of it being a high scoring contest. Yeah, I, I like high totals when it's when you're taking the two and a half or the one and a half up past the seven or the eight. I don't like it as much bringing it down. Okay, uh, That makes the, sense. The upwards long, because what, what a high total indicates is that both offenses are able to score. And, and when the game flow is such that a team has a big lead that really favors the offense or it favors the other team's offense because you get more aggressive and, and all that kind of stuff. So I, I like either of these teams in comeback mode. I like either of these teams playing from behind it. It, it just, it, it's going to be a difficult game to put the other team away. And the chiefs don't run the ball particularly well. So if they're in the second half and you know, they're trying to run the clock out, it, they're, they're just not at their best when they're doing that. I also like, I'm not overly concerned about the Chiefs offense. You know, I, I say this every week, but it's week nine. And if they don't figure out their receivers, if they don't get in a position where Mahomes knows who he can trust downfield, as we approach the playoffs, I do start to get concerned about the Chiefs. It's kind of like they've got time to figure it out. But last week it wasn't figured out, you know, and that was week eight, you know, week nine going against an, a healthier secondary, probably uh, against Miami. If they don't figure it out here, I think it is start to time to start worrying about what the chiefs are going to look like uh you know down the stretch they need to figure it out at some point just get rasheed rice in the field more connor right like yeah what the hell i mean he's, he hasn't cleared a 60 percent route rate the entire season this man should be playing every snap we're rolling out like bums like literally mbs and sky more scrubs like get him off the field um 
I also do think want to add that I think that there's a pretty big advantage here for Miami in the running game offensively against the Chiefs run defense. They just haven't played all that well. They're 27th in rushing success rate. They've gotten, you know, kind of gashed in the ground the last two weeks. I think 31st in run to EPA. So like, I think there's a path here where maybe it's not that the Dolphins go run heavy, but they might use kind of the run to like offset, uh, you know, any pressure if they really think that that's an issue. So, um, you know, I, I think there's multiple ways here that they get there offensively. So that, that, that could be something worth watching as well. And the Chiefs getting thin at linebacker. Obviously, Nick Bolton, uh, as mentioned here in the chat by Adam, he gets it. Uh, you know, big Nick Bolton uh, fan here. Miss him uh, out for the year. Willie Gay, one of their other linebackers, hurt his tailbone, and it seems like they're debating whether or not Willie Gay goes on IR uh, or not. So that sounds like Willie Gay probably not active in this game either. So um, getting pretty yeah. thin in the middle of the field. And and we saw on Monday Night Football with the Lions and Raiders what happens when you lose all your linebackers because the Raiders lost all their linebackers during that game and the Lions were just like okay we'll get six yards on every run it was ridiculous so that is definitely something to look out for yeah and they were playing without uh, you know Diablo already and then they lost a couple in games so yeah it's it starts to be it starts to be an issue before but, before we move on uh, yeah. real quick got a little mid season update on mm -hmm. our Coach of the Year award bet. Do you think that I get Sirianni again? So we released Mike McDaniel 22 to 1 to win coach of the year. He's plus 275 right now on DraftKings. Dan Campbell's plus 200. Next close is Robert Sala plus 600. D'Amico Ryan's 10 to 1. What are, what, what's like the gauge here? I mean, any, I feel pretty good about it. If he wins like one or two big games, like all I'm asked for is one or two big wins, I think McDaniel probably gets there, especially if they win the division. But I don't know. Any, any thoughts on this market? I know I'm putting you guys on the spot. This is not part of the show sheet. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I have it too. So last year the Sirianni thing was interesting because I took, you know, I went against you in a way. I know, um, bastard. I know. Uh, I mean, obviously, I like it. I, do they need to? They have to win the division. Do they have to be the one seed? I don't know if they have to be the one seed, right? Probably not. I don't think so. And right, because this Andy Reid is now in Belichick territory. We're like, yeah. it doesn't matter. You just, you know, Belichick, no matter what he did for a handful of years, was just never winning Coach of the Year. They could be, you know. 15 and one back in the day, they played 16 games. Like Andy Reid is, you know, they can, Chiefs can be the one seed. That's based on expectations. We've talked about it. Like part of the play is exceeding expectations to a degree. And, you know, Miami being the two seed winning the AFC at three to one, you know, that would be, I think, exceeding expectations. And again, like people kind of like Mike McDaniel. Did you see him in the uh, walking into the press conference in Germany? I mean, that's fantastic stuff. Like he's, you know, that's, there is a narrative piece. And that was part of my, the day ball handicap as well as like, Hey, he's likable. He's in New York, big media, like all those things kind of matter. So um, yeah, I mean, I like it. I don't think there's an, I don't think there's a good hedge currently. Uh, D'Amico Ryan's you could sell me on if the Jags weren't winning football games, because then I'd be interested in maybe the Texans back during that division. Um, you know, Jacksonville continues to kind of pull away, but that's all I got. Clark, what do you think? Yeah, I mean they'll, they'll need to probably win this game and then beat Buffalo. I think that's yeah. that's the path, um, and then and win the division. He he's a guy that people are going to want to reward. And and the difference between Andy Reid and him is that when the Chiefs win, it's like well it's Mahomes, and when the Dolphins win, it's like well Tua is Tua because True. of McDaniel, right? So it's and and Hill and all that kind of stuff. So so the narrative is there for for him to win definitely. Because again, like like Shanahan might have been in the mix and would probably have been a threat for the same reasons that Clark's talking about, right? Cause like the Purdy stuff gets tied up into the Shanahan stuff and you want to find a way to reward Shanahan for that. But now they're on a little bit of a slide, not really worried about the Niners, but they're on a little bit of a slide and all of a sudden his odds shift. So, um, you know, maybe that's the the name to keep an eye on 
is, you know, if the Niners just kind of got this out of their system and all of a sudden they roll and, and get back to who they we thought they were, maybe, maybe that's a name to watch. But yeah, good point. I like, uh, I love talking the awards markets. They're interesting. Yeah, it's a quick little interlude. So yeah, back to our regular scheduled programming. Back with another great football game. Seattle is heading east. They are on the road in Baltimore uh, over on FanDuel. Uh, this is five and a half, 42 and a half is the total. There are six out there, uh, sixes in some shops, 43s, 43s and a half uh, on the board in terms of the total. So shop around if you have a lean here. Um, coming into the season, I was very bullish on both of these offenses, but it's really been the outstanding play on the defensive side of the ball that I think has kind of spearheaded some of the early season success for these teams. Seattle thought they'd be okay, but um, I think there's still some upside to this unit. We haven't really seen it yet. They've been really bad on third down, really bad in the red zone, which I don't think aligns with some of their other metrics. Again, kind of a small sample in terms of uh, what they've had there. I think poaching Leonard Williams from the Giants before the trade deadline was an excellent move for Seattle, especially with some of the injuries they've had up front. Uh, now the knock against them, especially when you're kind of looking at their defensive metrics, is they've played a fairly soft slate of quarterbacks um, thus far. And I think that that's probably pretty fair. I've already taken my L here. I continue to take my L on my preseason concerns around this Ravens defense. Um, and look, they have not been healthy, and that was part of it. it. Was I just thought they were really thin in the back half and up front, and if they had injuries, it was going to be really tough for them to not get exposed. And they've held up. Massive kudos to Mike McDonald, who has really earned himself a head coaching job this offseason if he's interested. Um, you know, Maybe if he could survive some of this Michigan <laughs> coaching stuff too, since he was the D.C. there for a little bit and seemed to have that uh, that little dude in his ear telling him what the plays were. But, hey, that's a different show. Uh, I don't want to you know rile up all the uh, Lions and Michigan fans here, but uh, they lead the league in points per drive. They're second to Cleveland in yards per drive, EPA per play, success rate. They've been really good. Uh, and the offense has kind of you know started to find a little bit of a gear here. Kind of let you get started with uh, Seahawks and Ravens. Yeah, it might become like my you know flag plant team. I know we talked about it last week on the show. Forty to one, uh, scooped a little bit of that. I mean, basically no closing line value at this point. We're looking at like 30, 35 to one. So it's not you know no victory laps yet. But uh, they're also getting back uh, one of their offensive linemen, Phil Haynes. I think that's kind of been an underrated storyline. Like their offensive line's been a little bit banged up. And their defense. I mean, they've played against a super soft strength of schedule since week four when they got everyone back. They got Tariq Woolen, Devin Witherspoon, Jamal Adams started playing together. First in EPA per dropback, fifth in passing success rate, second in explosive pass rate. Obviously, the big asterisk, they played against Arizona, the Giants, Cincinnati, and Cleveland. Um, so that's the big thing. But they've delivered in those spots. So, you know, like that, for the most part, that's what matters. Um, and so, but I think this, a lot of the same can be said for Baltimore. I mean, they played, what, Detroit? And they played awesome against Detroit. But, like, they played no one else otherwise. Like, their schedule has basically been garbage, too. So I think some of this argument goes both ways. Um, I want to keep buying on Seattle here. So I took a little bit of plus six. I don't think I'd put the plus five and a half. And I, I thought it would be closer to like plus four and a half plus four, to be honest. So I thought that there was a little bit of value here on the Seattle side. Uh, I don't really have too many handicaps in terms of like tendencies and like what's going to happen specifically here, because the Seattle team has been changing a little bit and a little bit more, I guess, you know, variant, uh, since their new guys came back and like willing to blitz at certain times and not at others. So um, I think that I'm, it's just like kind of like a, a lean where I sprinkled a little bit on Seattle here and, and want to keep buying them. Clark, I don't want to speak for you. You were trying to sell out of your Seattle ticket last week. So I have a <laughs> feel of where your lean is here, but I'll give you the floor on uh, Seahawks and Ravens. Um, I, I think it's possible that both teams are overrated because of their, like you were saying, their schedule. 
but but they've also been playing really well, and and that's it, you know only after after only eight weeks, it's tough to to parse out you know what is just a really really good team taking advantage of bad matchups or what is a not not quite as good team just looking really good against bad teams. You know, since week three, the Seahawks have the number two defense in EPA per play, and the Ravens have the number one defense in EPA per play. So this is going to be a really uh, tough fought game, I think. Um, part of that is matchups. Part of that is just you know, like you said, guys got healthy. The secondary got healthy in Seattle. Now they added Leonard Williams uh, to that front. Granted, they lost Nuosu, but th- this is a defensive front that I that I do think can get pressure. And we've seen a, a drastic difference in how this Ravens offense operates based on whether or not Lamar Jackson's under pressure. Uh, and that's not just this year. That's throughout his career. He, When he can sit back in the pocket and has time to operate, he's been lethal throughout his career. And, and more so this year with you know, a, a much more sophisticated passing game and better weapons. But when he gets pressured, he still struggles with it. He struggles to make the right decisions. Sometimes he tries to escape and then he finds himself on the run and kind of throwing it away or taking it. He takes a lot of sacks in those situations. Um, I think the the lack of pressure to date has really kind of um, inflated perception of this Ravens offense. So, you know, laying five and a half, laying six is, is a tough thing for me to do with, with an offense like this against a good defense. Um, but I haven't bet it because I, I don't know that the Seahawks defense is that good, right? And it, I'm, I'm still kind of, you know, analyzing the film, analyzing my numbers, really trying to come to ground on this on this game. But um, one thing I want to watch for is, is, you know, early in the game, are the Seahawks getting pressure? You know, that, that's, that's kind of the thing that I think will decide this game. Um, and five and a half is such a weird line. It, it's asking for betters to take a strong position saying like, you know, please push this up to six or please push this down to four. Um, and so far there's been a little bit of support for Baltimore, you know, at, at some of the sharper books, but, but nothing really, uh, decisive. And I expect that will be a decisive move. I don't think this closes five and a half. I think that I just don't know what that move is. Honestly, like I'm, I'm kind of split on this game. I'm really excited to watch it. Um, but my, my thoughts on the Seahawks and the Ravens have been improving every week. Um, and that will probably continue, especially for the team that wins this one. This is what, uh, Bill Simmons, if you're familiar with, you know, the you podcast OG, um, you're not a great gambling podcast or great listen. You know, I'm a, I'm a Boston guy, so I'm a, a Simmons apologist, but uh, they've always dubbed this the Vegas zone, basically. We're like, this is like Vegas throwing their hands on me. Like, you tell us where this should go. We know it shouldn't probably, it shouldn't be three, three and a half. Uh, it's not six. Uh, kind of, you know, let you, you know, move this around for us. It's kind of, we're in the, uh, we're in the Vegas zone. The, yeah, I, the Seahawks get, or at least the way that I think they're going to be constructed now with Williams and Draymond Jones, they're going to get pressure in a unorthodox way too. It's going to be through the middle of the line. You know, they don't have great edge rushers. They brought Frank Clark back losing a for the season. Like I feel like, you know, and there's, um, that's, I think sometimes problematic uh, for quarterbacks too, because the first thing you see is coming right down the middle. So if that ends up working for them with this move, I think we'll get a sense of it. Like you're saying, Clark pretty early in this game, if they're able to collapse the middle of the pocket here on Lamar, um, that could be something to watch for in terms of like a live betting opportunity touched on the red zone stuff. Um, and again, it's a small sample size, but Seattle has got to figure it out if they're going to be legit or if we think they're going to be who they are. Um, and the good news for Seattle, no defenses faced fewer red zone trips than they have the season, just 16 on the season. So that's great. They're keeping teams out of the red zone, um, but they're 30th in conversion rate allowed 11 of those 16 trips is a not so nice 69% has uh, resulted in a touchdown. So on the opposite side, no offense has taken more drives into the red zone 
this season than Baltimore with 34. And they've converted at the third highest clip in the league, almost 68%. So that's really what it comes down to. Seattle has got to keep them out of the red zone. And when they do, they got to turn it up. Hopefully use some of these new bodies on the new secondary that's just kind of healthy for the first time here for a little bit and start to kind of regulate these numbers and have them match up. So, you know, if they're getting into the red zone and, and forcing a lot of field goals, then I think they're going to be in this game. If those are converting into I think it's a handicap for all football games, if those are converting into touchdowns, it's going to be a long day for Seattle. So, all right, I'll keep the train moving here. Dallas on the road in Philly. Uh, Philly minus three. On FanDuel, 46 is the total. It's pretty much painted across the board there. Did not get a Dak first Hurts matchup last year. We had Cooper Rush uh, in for Dak in the week six, six matchup between these two teams. Then they played on Christmas Eve, and it was Gardner Minshew for Philly. So I'm really looking forward to this one, Clark. We didn't get this one. You know, kind of a, hey, Dallas just blew someone out. Philly just barely won. You know, it was a little bit of Dallas love. Not showing the market necessarily, but just uh, sentiment here, I think, is, is a little bit more pro-Dallas than it would have been maybe, say, a week ago. Yeah, definitely. We haven't seen, we've been waiting for this matchup for two years, right? The healthy Eagles against the healthy Cowboys, and we finally get it. The Eagles last year faced a really easy schedule of opposing defenses and really capitalized against it. And this year has kind of been the same, you know. So in terms of EPA per play uh, on defense, the best defense they faced with the Jets at ninth, and they lost that game twenty to fourteen with three picks. Uh, every other team has been fifteenth, twentieth, twenty third, twenty eighth, twenty second, or twelfth, which was the Vikings. Um, so they really haven't faced a defense of the quality that Dallas brings to the table. And I have my concerns about, you know, Hertz's mobility. Like he, he, just, he just looks a step slow out there with his knee injury. Um, I have some concerns about, you know, the way that Dallas plays defense. They, they, they want to like leave typically four guys back, play quarters coverage or whatever, and then get pressure with their front seven. Um, and if they can bracket AJ Brown and, and kind of take away those deep shots, if they can push Devonta Smith towards the sideline, it's going to be really difficult for Jalen Hurts to consistently make plays. And with the way that they play offense, it's, it's you know, a lot of third down and shorts and a lot of converting those third down and shorts because they win the offensive line battle, whether it's running, you know, brotherly shove, tush push, whatever, or just short outs, you know, for three, five yards, Dallas Goddard. They're able to consistently do that. And I, I worry about that them going up against a stepping step up in class on defense because those marginal third down conversions, if those stop working can really, really come to a halt with the offense. But the problem is I'm not sure that the Cowboys are that good of a team yet. <laughs> like I know that they've looked impressive in some of their games, but even against the Rams last week there, they blew them out. But it, I was watching that game live and started with a sack, a run for four yards and a sack on third down that was taken off the board by a bogus penalty. They get another first down, another sack, they ended up turning that drive into a touchdown, which was fine. Uh, Rams come back, almost score a touchdown, 10-3, and then it was pick six Stafford on just a you know a miscommunication between him and Cup, 17-3, and then they get a blocked punt for a safety, 19-3, um, and then they return that safety punt to the 13-yard line and score a 13-yard touchdown, 26-3. And it was like, whoa, I guess, I guess the Cowboys won this game without really doing much. Um, and that's, and that's kind of like the Giants game. So this is a Cowboys team that really can put it together uh, but has also looked really clunky at times, like against the Cardinals. Granted, they had a bunch of offensive linemen missing against the Chargers. They didn't look all that impressive. Um, and so so I, as much as I'd love to back the Cowboys here, they have to be a really good team to beat the Eagles in Philadelphia. Um, and that's kind of something that I'm wrestling with. I definitely lean Cowboys plus three because I think once you're getting out at the field goal and capturing all of the tight games, plus, you know, pushing on a, a Cowboys loss by three, I think that's the side that I lean. But 
I've also been lower on the Eagles consistently throughout the year than the market. And so, you know, some things are causing me to pause in terms of, you know, what am I missing? What is, what, what is it that the market is capturing that I'm not? And I, you know, I, I, I recognize the strength of the market and have to kind of accommodate that. So I'm, so I'm not, not decided whether or not I'm playing it, but definitely lean towards the Cowboys in this one. I like that breakdown. It's good. Uh, Connor, what are your thoughts on this one? It's interesting because Dallas Cowboys, like basically their metrics, I have taken and just thrown out the window because like, I just like, don't think there's any value in basically anything they've done uh, overall because their neutral game script numbers. It's just like littered with, you know, metrics that are between like, you know, eighth and like 22nd in like EPA run D EPA, like everything is just like, doesn't matter what it is. It's like, average or below average you know basically everything but should we not count that they're blowing out teams you know what i mean because right. every single right so like they're five and two but they played in just one game win or lose with a final margin of 10 or fewer points their two losses came by 32 and 12 their five wins have come by 40 20 35 three and then 23 so it's like how much do we weigh all this i'm personally really struggling with it usually there's one or two teams every year where i'm like yeah i just don't have a good read on this team Last few years, it's been like the Titans and the Raiders, you know, like I bet against them and always lose. This year, it's kind of the Cowboys because I don't think that their their running offense hasn't been all that particularly efficient, no matter the game script. Now they're running into a tough running defense uh, in Philadelphia, who hasn't been playing as well as of late, but I think that's a lot of that has to do with like not being fully healthy. I think Jalen Carter practicing full today should be fully healthy in this spot, but now they, like that puts a lot of pressure on Dak, and I just don't know, given what their offense can, has been doing right now, like is that sustainable to rely on Dak to like, you know, really carry this team? I think CD lamb could have a big day because you know, he's moved it in the middle a lot. And that's kind of, you know, hypothetically the, the Eagles like weak spot in their defense essentially is like over the middle. And so that kind of interests me there. But then on the other side of the ball, like <clears throat> this Eagles offense, I think should have some success running the ball because we've seen the Cowboys struggle at certain times against the run, but they've also been dominant against the run at other times. So I think the Philadelphia is, more like more physical than most of the teams that they've played. And um, I think that some of the runs that we saw from Arizona uh, against them and kind of like some of the traps that they were running was kind of interesting and could be something that Philly leverages here with DeAndre Swift, like runs out of the shotgun and things of that sort instead of less traditional runs. So I really don't know. I would lean towards the under in this game just because I don't have a particularly good feel for either team scoring a bunch. It's literally like 46, 46 and a half. But the Cowboys are just a really, really tough team for me right now. Yeah, I'm torn too. Cause so you make a good point because I do think it falls on Dak a lot because I do think like Tony Pollard thing just isn't happening uh, so well. Like they, no matter the game script as you mentioned, becomes a lot of pressure on Dak to get it done. Also, Philly again, like I don't want to make too much of a game against the Commanders by defense that is you should not be you know making any judgments off of. But you know they they scored 38 last week. They they fumbled twice at like the five or at the one even. Um, so they're really close to hanging like 52. Uh, on the road in the division against a team that seems to like play them really tight and have their number. What's the perception of the Eagles if they don't fumble uh, one of their like brotherly shoves? And I think it was a Gainwell fumble. Like that's, you know, again, 52 on the road in the division, even against the commanders, it's a pretty strong statement in the NFL to, to do that no matter who the defense is. Um, we were really close to, to Philly doing that last week. So um, I don't know. I just feel like they're maybe finding their legs offensively after a little bit of a slow start with new coordinator, you know, Jalen Hurts not being great, not throwing the ball to A.J. Brown for the first couple of games very much. That seems to, like, have been a pretty important, like, fulcrum point to this, the success of their season. Like, hey, let's just chuck the ball to A.J. Brown a ton. Uh, and he's just been an absolute alpha. So 
Uh, I just worry about the perception of maybe what that would do to this this game a little bit. So I don't have a great feel for it. I would probably lean over, to be honest, to go against Connor a little bit, uh, or at least maybe have interest in the Philly team total. But at that point, wouldn't I just back Philly? Um, so that's kind of my my concern there too. So um, I'm at a loss, but that's probably my lean would be Philly uh, in this spot, or at least the Philly you know, being successful offensively. Silva, you know, got out of his, uh, you know, whatever cave and was able to, uh, you know, put together some, some stuff for his matchups article there and, and compared Tony Pollard to Lamar Miller. And I thought that was mm. just like the most accurate comparison I've seen ever because Lamar it's Miller tough. came, was like super efficient and was really good on limited touches and then gets into a full-time role and just, just doesn't have the juice anymore. Like it's just being the, getting that many touches consistently over the course of the season, like it just, it clearly like he doesn't have the juice that he had before. And so maybe I mean, there are a lot of other factors, you know, the offensive line isn't that good. Like, you know, he's coming off of, he's coming off surgery. of a pretty major injury so, too. Yeah. Yeah. Right. There's a surgery, but I mean, that just is what it is. Like he just, he's not there right now. So maybe he's there next year. Maybe he can be better, but right now he's Lamar Miller 2.0. Chase Edmonds? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. You're in on Tony Pollard? I don't know. I think he's kind of just like a massive jag. Like all the all the analytics say he's a jag right now. Yeah, maybe. If it's true, it's this is a problem. Uh, no, Dak, to credit to Dak, has been playing really good football. He looked, you know, good last week. And um, I just do think there's a, a lot of weight on him in this matchup if Tony Pollard continues to to jag. Um, that's that's problematic for, for Dak. All right, I'm excited to talk about this one. I, uh, this has been an interesting matchup. We've seen a lot. We got it, uh, you know, didn't get the matchup we were supposed to last year. Unfortunately, thankfully, DeMar Hamlin is okay. But uh, Buffalo back in Cincinnati. Cincinnati, uh, this one's moved a little bit. Again, I shut my odd screen just before we started. I know there's a little bit of Josh Allen didn't practice news, and maybe this has fluctuated a little bit. Um, not too long ago, this was Cincinnati minus one and a half. 48 and a half was the total. There were twos. Uh, totally moved out to 49 in some spots. Just interested to see if this is fluctuating probably right around there. I just don't think we get back to three, though this was two and a half in some spots earlier in the day. Um, yeah, I'm going to give you the floor, uh, Clark. This is, uh, you know, a, you've not been very pro Joe Burrow uh, in the time that I've known you. And, um, you know, I know you're often pro Bills, uh, pro Bills as well, my Super Bowl team, uh, but just interested to get your thoughts on this matchup, the Bills, and Bengals after what we saw last week with uh, with Joe Burrow. Yeah, the Bengals are another team that I think my my numbers seem to underrate relative to the market. Um, it, it's it's typical, right? Because they they looked really good against the 49ers, like legitimately really good. Joe Burrow was making plays, looked like himself out there. And and if if the first half of the season was really just Joe Burrow, you know, getting used to his mobility, getting that strength back, getting that confidence back, getting that timing back with his receivers, then I think it is right to kind of throw out some of that data. Um, but the Bengals defense is materially worse than it's been in years past. And I'm not, I'm not one to say, well, we got one game of Joe Burrow looking great. So I guess Joe Burrow is back to being an elite quarterback. Um, I, I, I'm much more hesitant now. The Bills defense is really banged up, which doesn't help. So Joe Burrow will have some success here, but I thought that the market move was a little bit dramatic. Uh, it, it got all the way up to, you know, plus three for the bills, which I grabbed. I was like, okay, I, I haven't figured out what I think about this game, but I'm grabbing that plus three because that's ridiculous. And sure enough, it's been bet back down to two, one and a half, which I think is much more appropriate. Um, under the three, it, it's a tight game. And I, my numbers like the bills, but 
there is the element that the Bengals have really owned the Bills. Uh, and like in the playoff game, they were the clearly right side as five and a half point underdogs from the get go. They just dominated them in every facet of the game. Um, and, and I don't think that, you know, because two teams played each other once and we got a certain result that that result's going to happen every time. But I do think that there are some schematic things that the Bengals really do well that the, the Bills just have failed to stop time and again. Like even in the game that didn't finish with when DeMar Hamlin got hurt, the Bengals came out firing in that game. And it was, you know, a quarter and a half or whatever it was of domination by the Bengals. So I, I don't think it's just the one data point in the playoff game. I think it's a, a consistent thing. Uh, what the what the Bengals do is they make consistently positive gains where Joe Burrow is putting the ball in a place where receivers can catch it and lean forward or run forward for a couple more yards. And it just consistently picks up yards. And the Bills defense is like, you know, we're going to play this zone. We're going to, you know, try to get pressure on the front four and, and maybe play a little softer on the receivers. And so if you're able to do that, you can really move the ball against the Bills. And so that, that would be kind of my concern about getting involved under the three. But but in terms of, you know, this should be a great game on Sunday Night Football. I'm really, really excited to watch it. I would bet either team at plus three because um, I, I just think it's another one of those tight games. Um, but I haven't really come to ground on whether or not I would bet Bill's money. I don't have to decide now because I, I got in at plus three. But um, but it's one of those things that I'd be wrestling with in terms of, you know, do I want to take the Bill's money line plus one and a half or just let it go and just enjoy the football game? It's it's kind of borderline for me. And I think uh, I think staying away at that at that small number is probably the right call. I think getting the three is pretty important. So I think, you know, good job doing that. Cause I think you're, you're probably right. I think the right move would be taking any of them, either the teams at plus three. Here's my issue though, is we haven't had the bills. Oh, we haven't seen them face an elite offense since they lost Matt Milano, since they lost Aquan Jones, they lost Davius White back in like week five. Um, when you look at it, they actually faced three of the worst offenses in the league uh, in terms of like, um, points per drive, um, Giants 32nd, Patriots 31st, Buccaneers 24th, so bottom teams. In that time frame, the Bills are 29th defensively in EPA per play. That is a problem. I still think we're getting the market shading the Bills a little bit, especially defensively, to who we thought they were coming into the season and who they were early in the season. Um, that is not the team. Again, like you're losing basically your best player at all three levels is a problem. And they just haven't really had to pay the piper for that yet. And I think that comes this week. Uh, Connor, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I played the over uh, 48 and a half. I think it's 49 and a half. I think you can play team total overs if you have a certain lean on the game. I think both those are fine because I think Clark's point about the Bengals defense not being very good is completely true. And that Josh Allen's just a guy who's able to basically keep his team in the game no matter what. I think Joe Burrow has been that guy, uh, but he's, you know, again, like the injury question makes me question that. We saw them, you know, lose some pretty bad games uh, at certain points this season already just because I think his injury was not able to, you know, let him do everything that he wants to do. But you hit the nail on that, I think, with the splits with the Bills defense. That's my biggest take here is that they're not as good. I mean, the the Patriots – handled them and they were like borderline like left for dead offense and the Jaguars if you guys remember that game like the Jags I believe threw a pick in the end zone and there was multiple times where they like just couldn't put punch it in they kicked a bunch of field goals and they still scored 25 points they like fumbles they, in the red zone, yeah. right they could have scored 40 and I don't think anyone would have batted an eye based on how that game went so I, I think that that's pretty interesting and worth noting and then obviously the Bengals coming off of an awesome performance against the the uh Niners here I think it's all just like trending up and then the Bills offense though 
I thought looked pretty good without uh, Dawson Knox. They kind of went more of like a hurry up 11 personnel fully. We're like putting Gabe Davis in the slot a little bit more, like getting Dalton Kincaid involved a bunch. Like they're, I don't know, kind of finding their stride in some ways, I think, uh, at least what I saw visually. So it may not have fully translated, but I thought that there were some really, really encouraging points there. So I like the over in this spot. Again, I, I think I'm more confident in Cincinnati's offense having success here. So if I had to make a bet right now, it'd probably be Cincinnati team total. But I think that the over or the Bengals are probably fine here as well. Yeah, game over is probably a good look. And the number you got was was fantastic because I, I do agree. Like we're, you know, kind of be smirching the Bills defense, but I, I don't have really any questions still about like like 17 and blue is is on the field for half the game like i still have a lot of faith in what the bills can do so it can be a, a spot to kind of fade the defenses so i don't want like and i look i'm the opposite side of clark on some of this stuff in terms of joe burrow um i am in, like a burrow apologist a little bit like i am very much i drink the joe eb kool-aid for sure i am 100 percent ready to be like i don't care i think we're going to timestamp pre and post by Bengals for the rest of the season um, in terms of like looking at their metrics and all that stuff, because again, to do what he did, look, it's one of the best defenses in the league, 28 to 32 for 283 yards and three scores, like, you know, 18% completion percentage over expected. Um, They've shifted in a big, big way and shout out to friend of the show. Ben Solak highlighted this in his article. Um, They were really predictable. They basically were 98, 99% shotgun, early in the season because like they just, they just couldn't, they want to get into things quicker. Um, and that allowed Burrow to do that. They basically were really predictable. It was dink and dunk. It was let's get, you know, the ball out quickly to, um, you know, just this low a dot stuff to chase and really couldn't get anything with T Higgins last week against the Niners, even the first play of the game under center play action, absolute dart from Burrow 77%. Uh, shotgun rate so a big shift and again like yeah sometimes you can run successfully out of out of the shotgun they just hadn't been able to because there was really no threat of play action they were able to run a little bit more even against san francisco last week burrow extending plays he scrambled six times for 43 yards this is not what we saw early in the season so i'm okay this is not again we just football we deal with small samples i don't want to overreact in a lot of instances to a one game sample kind of okay being like, Hey, this is who we've kind of seen them be for a number of years. And they showed it last week. And it's not who we saw for the whole entire early part of the season. And we had an injury and like we had a data point as to why, and now we saw it a little bit. So I feel like, I think the Bengals are maybe going to be a little bit more, at least offensively who we thought they were coming in the season. So I'm, I'm in on burrow. I think the over in the game is the right side. And I would take the Bengals under three in this one. I think it's going to be a, hopefully a great primetime game and, kind of put a, a cap on these great matchups this week. So it's kind of where I'm at here. Uh, they're back in the AFC. I know that Clark's going to absolutely hate this take, but I think that the best bet in the MVP market right now is Joe Burrow to win MVP at 20 to one. Um, I just, the, the, tell you, the guys at the top are very fragile. So <laughs> no, no, no. Um, he's not going to do enough to make up for how bad he was in the first half of the year. He's still got nine weeks, eight weeks and 10 games. I don't know. Something like that. It's, a, it's enough to get there. If I think the memory is short enough that if he plays very well the next eight weeks that, you know, it's possible. I mean, I think the whole two MVP thing is tough, man. I think he's played awesome, but that's like, I have a really hard time getting there and I love the dolphins and I love Tua, and I really struggle to get there in terms of him being the MVP. I'd rather have two of them burrow. 
<laughs> like like on your team or just like as, as MVP? No, just so, as an MVP ticket. At current market prices? Uh, I don't you, know exactly what market prices are, but. I'm it's like two like, is like plus 270, I think, yeah. maybe. And then oh, Mahomes uh, is like plus 300. So, um, oh, it's okay. Plus 400 Tua, plus 450 Hertz, plus 450 Mahomes, plus 550 Lamar. Plus fourteen hundred McCaffrey, plus sixteen hundred Josh Allen, plus twenty and twenty to one Joe Burrow. That's what I'm saying. Is like I just the rule I, is, you feel good about any of those guys? Give me your take for the rule like is, any of them. No, the rule on MVP markets is as soon as you read a running back, you can just disregard everyone after that. <laughs> 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 That's fair. Okay, but okay, but seriously, any of those guys like you're like, oh well, that makes sense. Like Lamar. I mean, Josh I Allen was after a running back. I mean, Josh Allen and Joe Burrow are the enticing names in that, right? What was that? Bills at? get back on. Allen was what 16? 16 to 1. Yeah, 16 to oh, 1. Oh, yeah. I like I like I take Allen 16 to 1 over everyone else there. Yeah, current yeah. prices. Okay. They they've got a tough schedule, but if they win, if they win a division. You know, this game is a big one to start with. They beat the Bengals and then go on to win the division, beat the beat the Dolphins again. Um, I think Josh Allen's right back in the conversation. Yeah. I do think that there's enough meat in these four games in particular that are going to shift some of these markets, right? These oh, yeah. are the top of the MVP 100%. tickets. These are coach of the years. These are like, you know, first place in the conference, division winners. Like these are very much impactful games for this weekend and, and basically all the markets. So yeah, that'll be... Uh, interesting to see where those kind of pop out back on Monday. Yeah, Trevor Lawrence at twenty. Like, I mean, yeah, I'll take that. You just Burr. like they they would have to play. I don't know. Like they're winning games, but I don't think he's playing like up to what he his like capabilities. That's what I would say. If Burrow That's wins cool. MVP, you can clip all these little clips of me saying I take them over Burrow. I take them over Burrow. <laughs> Burrow MVP, Seahawks Super Bowl. It's all going down here, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. Anything else on the board? Like you said, just a, well, I, w- I want to talk about something actually, and then I'll get your guys' thoughts. I talked to Connor about this briefly the other day, and we we still don't have word on what's going on in the Rams quarterback room. Um, oh, we do though. We oh, do, do we? That break down the show? Um, well, I mean, <clears throat> Josh Norris today, I was listening to the underdog stats film, you know, breakdown. Mm. He said that like, it was like a little clip. There's like a 20 second clip here that I was listening to. He said that, that someone told him that Stafford is not going to play for this week and into the bye uh or obviously in the bye and then they were going to reevaluate things after the bye i'd so. be stunned if stafford played I, I mean just personally i mean i like look it's not a fracture but like it's your thumb on your throwing hands like look at like they had talked about that when it first happened to fields like oh you might be okay here we are again we have our third you know tyson bajan starts um you know your thumb gripping the football like what are we what are we doing here like what are the rams yeah, i mean i I got an alert that was like, they're not putting him on IR. It's like, if they're considering IR, he's probably not playing this week. So we have, look, and I know like the Packers do not like instill any confidence in us whatsoever, but the Rams with Brett Rippon are going into Green Bay at three. Like, I mean, I feel like that should be three and a half everywhere. I feel like it should be high. I mean, I I just think like, I know the Packers. Yeah, I think it'll get there. When yeah. Stafford's confirmed out, I think it'll get there. So that's on the board. That's very interesting to me. I haven't bet yet. I wanted to talk about it on the show with you guys today. Um, it is like it's moved. It. It's a it's a three. Did you okay? It's three like minus one fifteen, <laughs> minus one twenty. I just think that that's a. I think it's a mistake because I don't think it's, it's Matthew Stafford, right? Like I feel like part of it is like really underrating how awesome Matthew Stafford is and has been this season yeah. in terms of what he's been able to do. Like yeah. some of that all yeah. twenty two stuff post game. It's like football porn. He's been outstanding yeah. 
Um, and like, I know that like Puka has been good and Cooper cup is, is good and they can elevate, but like not, not that much. The offensive line is bad. Uh, and again, that defense is starting to show who we thought I thought they were very much coming into the season. So again, I know that we're, we're laying points with Jordan love, but again, like three at home, I think they should be able to run the football Packers uh, minus three is a, a play that I will make now after, after the show with a little bit of passive stamp of approval from, uh, for you guys. Uh, what else do you like here, Clark? Anything else on the board for you? Uh, it's, it's a tough week. Um, I, I mentioned a teaser, like with the dolphins, uh, I paired it with this, with the saints. They're, they're currently laying seven and a half um, at home against Chicago. I actually like the spread at seven and a half. I, I mean, I don't love betting seven and a half as a number just because, you know, if it drops down to seven, that's just way more valuable. Um, so, so it might be worth waiting, but, but I think this is a kind of, the Saints team is kind of getting together, right? People, people don't recognize how banged up the Saints have been in terms of not just injuries, but suspensions, you know, Derek Carr's shoulder injury, not only did it knock him out of some playing time, but when he was playing, he didn't look right. Um, and I, I felt like last week, the offensive line was healthy. Derek Carr was slinging it downfield. Like this is the offense that we anticipated seeing from the Saints. They got Alvin Kamara back. They're using Taysom Hill effectively. Rashid Shahid and Michael Thomas and Chris Olave is actually one of the most underrated like trios of receivers in the league. Uh, and then their defense is, is stout. They can they can defend the run with their front guys and then play really good man defense on the back end. So you have to be really good to beat them. You have to be really good in man coverage. I don't think that Tyson Bajant throwing to these Bears receivers is is the key to unlocking you know <laughs> this this Saints defense. So. Uh, I think this is a situation where, where at home, you know, the Saints kind of get it back on track. They move to five and four and uh, kind of like set their eyes on the division win with how easy the rest of their schedule is. So um, spread or tease, I don't mind either one with the Saints, but uh, the way I played it was to tease them down with the with the Dolphins. Connor, what do you got your eye on? Yeah, no, that actually also just moved. It uh, looks like we're getting eight and a half at Circa, nine at Pinnacle at this point uh, on the Saints. Uh, on Saints? Yeah, just moved like mid-show because um, I was seeing oh, seven okay. and a half too. Um, but, I mean, I, I, think, <laughs> I think you're on the right side there. It's just like when you think in like handicap how these teams match up, it just like seems like it's going to be a complete disaster. I got some props circled in that game for sure. You know, I love my my unders. So, you know, I got, got plenty of those circled on the Bears side. Um, a couple that I played otherwise, I think I like the Browns. Um, when we're looking at minus seven and a half here against the Cardinals, um, I, their defense is, you know, dominant getting, uh, you know, basically a backup quarterback here for, for the Cardinals. Um, you know, I, beyond that getting Deshaun Watson back, which I think is, I don't know, maybe a net neutral right now, but in the long term, probably in that positive, uh, hopefully. And so I don't know, I think it's just a little bit of value there before the 10. And then I think, uh, the uh, Chargers and Jets game. I feel like this is like, I know like trap lines don't exist and everything. Like I know that's like not even a real thing, but uh, I don't know. I kind of feel like this game should be more than three. I don't know. Is that, is that like a crazy thing to say? Like this is, this is going to hundred percent. You're going to see those stupid fucking tweets. Like, you know, 98% of the bets are on, you know, whatever the Jets and 80% of the money's are 90% of the money's bets are on the Chargers and 90% of the money's on the Jets, something like that. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm a square for liking the Chargers. Clark, you got any takes on that game? Because I'm, I bet it, but I, I think, mean, I think it could get to three and a half. Um, the the Jets' offensive line is a problem. I mean, they they are really really banged up, and Zach Wilson under pressure is just not a thing that you want to have a bunch of money on. <laughs> um, 
so a lot of it depends on kind of how they're dressing their offensive line. I saw Dwayne Brown maybe uh, might get activated this week. At least his practice window opened. Uh, they went through three centers last week and fumbled snaps, and it was a complete mess in the rain. So so I think anyone who watched that game and how badly the Jets offensive line played is going to have hesitation backing the Jets. And I think that's going to push this up to three and a half, at which point I could see some buyback just on the principle that the Chargers offense isn't good enough to be laying three and a half against the Jets defense on the road. Um, so yeah, I think it's, I think it's going to be one of those games that kind of, if you want three and a half on the Jets, I think you'll get it. And if you want three on the Chargers, I think you should take it now. Um, Cause I think both of those numbers will appear at some point. Yeah. Good stuff. All right. Yeah. All I had was the, the Packers one. It's like, oof, it just doesn't, doesn't feel well. Uh, it doesn't feel right. So Chargers square play by the number. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Connor's, I think Connor's right. Um, and I mean, the Jets defense is really good. I, I That's going to be something I lean pretty heavy to in the prop market uh, going forward because they didn't play. Uh, Sauce and DJ Reed didn't play for a couple of weeks. And so like their numbers are, Perception. I think that's actually one of the best things to capitalize on just overall. It's like when guys don't play and like it skews a lot of perception and like people haven't really factored that in. Maybe not as much in the size and totals market, but definitely in the prop market. So Well, you see it. You see it earlier in the week, I think before the market matures. And I think that's why we got under money in this Chargers Jets game. It was 41 and a half. I think now it's down to 40. I think that was both wait, this Jets defense is really good. And wow, this Jets offensive line is really banged up. Uh, and I think those two things combine into wanting to play the under because this has, you know, Chargers 20 to three written all over it. You know, if, if the Chargers defense shows up um, and I think that's just going to be a, an easy win for the under if that happens. So, All right. Good stuff as always. Uh, again, take advantage. Uh, promo code YouTube at the 444.com slash plans. Pick up a betting subscription, get access to all of our plays, all the articles, everything that we do at 444 against Still, if you're playing DFS, uh, you know, TJ and Daigle do a great job doing all that, uh, rocking the NBA stuff. Uh, I, I tailed some NBA stuff tonight. Uh, I'm excited about it. guys are doing a great job there too. Um, again, all the articles and all the stuff that we do too at 444. So um, hit us with a thumbs up, like, subscribe before you leave. Don't forget to come back on Friday, again, 3 p.m. Eastern. Connor, myself, and High Slot for props. So for Clark and Connor, I'm Ryan. We'll see you all next time. Thanks, everybody.